Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon-Muñiz. Welcome to another podcast, and this is a little bit of a weird one. It's going to be kind of bittersweet. Um, after, like, over 100 episodes, over 130 episodes we've done, we've been working together for five years. You'll probably guess from the title of this episode, but this is going to be Azai's last podcast episode. At least as, like, a, a host. I will probably try to suck her in as a as a guest at some point um years from now when she's cured pancreatitis um but um yeah and so this is we're gonna kind of break with from the normal trend of the podcast episodes because it we actually had an episode so like going through like a bunch of like mnemonics and like <laughs> memorization things for the mcat and then like we i started to kind of like plan out what we're talking about this makes no sense like we have to just like uh, just chat um and my uh, sticky yes. notes and everything phil <laughs> i know i know you did um <laughs> i will i i may need those um <laughs> later on um but yeah we have worked together for a long time and so this is a kind of a big a big change my my work landscape has is very much changing um <laughs> yeah it's it's weird because even after making the 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 decision, um, I think this is the most real that it has felt that mm -hmm. I'm leaving Phil. And I think that's because we've worked together for so long and shared so much, um, <laughs> learned. I've learned so much from you. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, and I don't think most people know this, when I when we started, when I started elsewhere <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, as an MCAT tutor, you actually brought me on to be your backup for office hours mm -hmm. and live classroom instruction at the other test prep company. Yeah. And then we've actually, this is the third place that we've, or the third company, I should say, that we've worked together at. Um, mm -hmm. And so you are like a common thread for me. And yeah. it's, it's almost like I'm divorcing the MCAT. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's not it's, being honest with you anymore. It is very strange. Like, I, we, the jobs have changed more often than my coworker has. Um, yeah. Which is, which is kind of strange because <laughs> we worked together for, for many years. Um, yeah. I'm like trying to think back through. Like, Since 2018. Yeah. I'm like at least five um, kind of going through that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, I figured, you know, let's just take some time to kind of reminisce and and kind of look at, because I know that you've, like, I know that I've changed. I don't want to project onto anybody else. Um, but I, my view on the world, my view on the MCAT, my view on medicine has changed greatly in the years, obviously, from before I went to med school to being in med school to, like, working at a test prep company that's starting up and then seeing that explode and then working at another test prep company that was starting up and then seeing that explode and and working with literally hundreds of students in person one-on-one -on -one, and thousands of students kind of overall. Um, so I, I figured it'd be good to just, let's just kind of take some time to kind of like recap some of those things because I'm sure there's some insights as somebody who has been in the, in the mix with the MCAT for so long, there's so much to learn um, from somebody who's been in there. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you want to just kind of start with that. I was like, I was thinking like anything you've learned, like, uh, working in the MCAT or going through med school or, you know, just, just kind of surprised you that you wouldn't maybe have expected over time. 
wildly enough, I think both studying for the MCAT and tutoring and then doing instruction and content creation for the MCAT for so long has actually made me less of a perfectionist. Um, I was someone that it if it wasn't, excuse me, if it wasn't exactly the way it needed to be, I could not let go. Um, I had to start letting some of that go when I was studying for the MCAT because it was quite frankly impossible to try and do everything perfectly, to learn everything perfectly, to um, work on my time. <laughs> and, you know, I was balancing a full-time student TAing a, I think during that time it was the non-bio uh, pre-med class, um, one of those, or maybe it was also the, <laughs> I, I also TA'd one um, for people that were just interested in, you know, meeting their bio recs for school and then studying for the MCAT. And then while teaching, you know, I hold myself to this standard and at times it would feel impossible. And I had to learn to make sure that when I was working with my students, I wouldn't project that onto them. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to me because at the end of the day, the reason I have stayed in MCAT test prep is for students, is because I want to see other people reach their potential and be able to max out on this exam and tackle it and have an opportunity to make their own dreams come true. And so making sure that I didn't project my own kind of insane standards <laughs> that I had to realize for myself that were, you know, insane even for me. Um onto other people and just start letting that go. And then realizing that, you know, perfection can be the enemy of really high quality if you're not careful. And so that for me has been over the years, just something that becomes really important. And it's, I think it's important that we never lose that attention to detail and that we never lose that pursuit of really high quality, but recognizing that something can be very high quality without being perfect. And sometimes the imperfections are what make something perfect for that moment. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. that's you're right. There's this, there is this like two sides of this because I see that often with um, MCAT students. They tend to be gunners and like I want to do everything and I want to work hard and I do want to applaud that, mm -hmm. right? Like because that is a big part of it. Um, and so I think there's a lot of times students do have that perfectionistic and that's what drives them. And that's what makes them so successful in so much of their life. But then all of a sudden you start to get two tasks that are like the MCAT, like you said, impossible, right? Like not that you can't prep for the MCAT and that that's impossible, but no, you definitely can. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can. Um, but like the way that the MCAT works is like you can miss questions and still get a 528. And if mm -hmm. you get a 521, you're still in the 99th percentile uh, with the MCAT. And so the MCAT is not expecting you to be perfect, but they're going to keep throwing questions at you. Um, I think for a lot of people balancing that, like even for myself of like, I still want to progress even though I'm, not, if I miss a question, I'm not going to beat myself up. But beating myself up is what pushed me before. And like learning to kind of find a new kind of driver. I don't know if that's something that you kind of went through, but just kind of like the way you were talking about that um, is, yeah. I think, a, a big part of that. And that's something also, like for me, I feel like I didn't run into that until I was in med school so much. 
Um, but once you get to med school, it is unrealistic to be perfect because uh, as much as you try to be, it is it is a messy world there. Yeah, I think for anyone that doesn't know, so I actually finished my third year of med school as of this recording um, mm -hmm. last summer. I'm currently paused to do a master of public health and then I go back to finish my last year this upcoming summer. And so I was doing both tutoring and instruction and med school at the same time. And I think that drove that even more, um, mm -hmm. you know, drove that point home even more. And so you saying that you experienced that in med school. Absolutely. Med, med school hit me upside the head. It was mm -hmm. sideways backwards. Um, and it was in med school that I learned my current two favorite quotes. And I say them obnoxiously often. Um, but the first is that it's about progression and not perfection. And the second is that a weakness is just a strength you haven't cultivated yet. Mm -hmm. And I think both of those things, they've helped me get through med school because in med school as well, it's a lot of information, right? And it is a lifelong learning process. You never stop learning as, a, you know, in a medical student, as a future physician. And if there is someone who tells you, no, you know what, everything, be scared, go find another doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, quite frankly. But, you know, that that became really important. And I think the point that you made about finding a new driver and a new, you know, motivation is so important. Um, so I think, I think I might have told you when this happened, but there was a time where I was insanely burnt out. Like, well, there have been many times in med school and <laughs> during our working together mm -hmm. that, you know, I've been, I've been burnt out like crazy. Uh, but there was one time in particular that I couldn't get myself to do any of my stuff, like, wanting to do it right i normally i'm like yeah like let's do this let's get it done and so what i ended up doing some of you know my my desk what i did was i took a bunch of index notes and i would write reasons why like my whys and i would put them and i had them all over my desk and so some of my some of them were your future patients are expecting you to know this mm -hmm. studying now saves lives later right mm -hmm. it was like you're doing this for your students you doing this well means they can reach their future potential. And it's like, I needed that sometimes. I needed to see that in front of me to be like, all right, sucks. I'm stressed. I want a nap mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of good food, <laughs> but I need to get this done. Right. And then still trying to find that balance. And we've definitely talked about that. You know, it's it's something that I do really well at for a while and then I do really poorly at and then really well and really poorly. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely still still learning. But yeah, finding a new why and finding that balance. I don't know that it ever ends. I think it's it just evolves. It changes. Yeah, especially because your tasks change and scopes <laughs> change and grow and alter and and kind of going through that. I, it seems like for you, it seems like other people, right? Like it's for <laughs> the my students. It's for the future patients. So like, you know, kind of going through that. And I think that that's actually a good motivator. And I actually think that's important like that's actually good advice for students studying for the MCAT. Like, throw that on a uh, on a sticky note and throw it on your wall um, to just kind of like keep yourself kind of motivated because the MCAT is such a slog, and so is med school. Um, but I was thinking about so I have a student that I was working with um, actually last year um, who was supposed to take the test in June. It was like a horrible scenario, a horrible storm of a scenario where they got a concussion partway through the semester and they were accepted into this thing where they were going to spend a year abroad studying 
Um, and, and like they had already accepted this. And so like, I, they have to study for the, or take the MCAT before they go. And they were just like rushing and running and it just kind of wasn't going well. Um, and so things kind of got a little bit, a little bit kind of messy, um, going through there. Um, but that, uh, so we ended up with that student, like it would turn into a big mess and we just pushed back. Um, and so that student is actually taking the test as of this recording tomorrow. Um, and Good I luck. have been, uh, we've been kind of like working together and, um, I was talking to that student and they were remarking how it was like, it's so strange that it was so terrible last year because they look at the last like four months of studying and that it's actually been fun and that <sighs> they have like enjoyed and they're like, they've learned, I've like, I've learned so much stuff. And like, now I understand how these things all kind of like fit and work together. And there's so many things that I understand about myself, like, you know, with, from doing the psych stuff and about un understanding things that I didn't know how to connect before. But now they're all like chemistry and batteries are the same thing and biology is the same thing and physics is the same thing. And it's all just kind of understanding how your body works. And that's super exciting and interesting. Um, and that kind of reminds me of that, that way, like finding that why. So if you can switch it to like more of a growth centered thing where it's like I am I'm doing this because it's exciting and interesting and fun. And I know that everyone listening to me. <laughs> Right now <laughs> is shaking their fist and saying, no, um, that's not how it is. Um, the MCAT is torture. Um, if you can change it and change your perspective on it so that it becomes something that you're excited about, um, it is, it becomes fun. And so for like that student, you know, who was like struggling so hard and kind of going through this and trying to rush and cram when they got to take some time and actually like figure out how all these pieces fit together, it became fun for them. And honestly, I'm expecting that stu student to score on the 520s because that's how they've been doing on all their practice tests. Um, and so um, I think that is a useful thing. Um, give, giving yourself a little slack, um, giving yourself a little time. Um, yeah, that student ended up having to, like they're going to push their start of med school back a year, but they actually got a, job working abroad at a medical place like doing medical research and I'm like this is super interesting and honestly yeah. their application to med school is going to be a lot better even if the MCAT score was the same just because they have such great experiences and these are probably going to change the way that they view medicine in the future um after doing oh. like looking at psych stuff in Asia 100% um and like that's like such an interesting thing yeah um, that's yeah. honestly really amazing and I, I love that story. And we're going to have to follow up when you find out the score. Because I yeah. don't know that score. Yeah, that'll be like a month um, from now. Maybe I'll have that student on the podcast because, yeah. um, Listen, honestly, if you do, I'm going to miss know. hanging out with that student um, because we yeah. spend a fun time. But that's awesome. You know, finding the fun is really helpful. And I actually say that to students with, even with cars. Um, I know we weren't initially planning on talking about this, but just like, when when you think about it, this isn't, you know, CARS is an opportunity to get a mini crash course on a topic you may never see again or that you may have never heard of. Um, and it is an opportunity to learn and changing our mindset can impact how we interpret information, right? How we process information. And so making it fun makes it more memorable, too. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that's why students really enjoy learning with you, Phil, because yeah. you prioritize making it fun, not just 
here it is, go learn it on your own. It's like, okay, how can I engage the material? How how can I, you know, apply this to my everyday life? How can I start seeing the connections? And that Mm -hmm. is key to learning and retaining and not just brain dumping afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's a couple more questions. A lot of them are kind of similar with like advice and that sort of thing. I think we kind of hit that a little bit there. We'll, We'll come back to that. But I did want to ask, have you noticed anything changing with MCAT, with the MCAT or MCAT prep, like since you've started? Yeah. So I think the biggest change that I've noticed is with cars. And that's probably because now I've been doing cars specifically for a couple of years. Um, And I know people don't want to hear this, but I've noticed that it's getting more difficult and it's requiring more engagement, more um, a, a stronger understanding of passages, the passage difficulty, even the texts themselves seem, you know, more dense on on average. And I see that in how students respond, even when they're doing the AMC practice material, because sometimes it can feel like the earlier cars practice and the most recent cars practice, you know, can can feel like night and day. And I think I have the benefit of having, you know, been in this for so long and I can still see those connections and the common threads. But in the moment as a student, it's it can be really scary. Um, yeah. And that's why I think it's it really is, you know, a section that you need to be prepping for from the beginning, because as subjective and frustrating of a section as it can feel, you can be systematic in your approach. You can make sure that you're understanding every passage, even when you have a more difficult passage. There are still pieces that you can pull out and use to answer the questions. Um, And you're not expected, and this is something that comes up very often, you're not expected to know every single word in a passage, right? You were never the intended audience for that Mm -hmm. passage, and that can feel super daunting. I remember when the transition happened um, and people, you know, the the years following the transition. So before 2015, there was a different version of the MCAT. Um, and in the years following, which is when I started, um, everyone was talking about how psych was becoming more like cars. And so, you know, that is something that I still hear from people mm-hmm. today. And I'll have someone be like, hey, Asai, I heard this from a student. What do you think? And I'm like, that's been happening for years. <laughs> that's yeah. not new. Um, but I think it's just requiring another level of attention. And I think part of that is because the students who are taking it change, right? And so the bar changes because at the end of the day, this is a scaled exam. It's not 90%, you got it correct, so you're getting a 90%. It's how do you fit into the distribution of all the people who took that exam around that time? Yeah. And so as students prep better, more effectively, learn more, that changes the distribution. Um, and I know that, you know, you you can probably talk more about this, but I know that for the sciences, there are also some things that have are now being emphasized a little bit more than they used to be emphasized. Um, yeah. But my perspective is primarily from cars just because that's what I'm still immersed or I should say have been immersed. Yeah. That is, th- that would be the biggest thing to me too is, yes, the MCAT has changed some, um, like for the sciences, they pull their research articles off of actual real research <laughs> being done in the last like five to 10 years. And so research trends impact the MCAT. And so I've like I've been seeing a lot more uh, tests specifically on like gut microbiome, for example, um, decoupling agents in the electron transport chain, because there's a lot of research in that. Um, 
And so there's has been some stuff in there. But I think the biggest change is, like you mentioned, it's the students are better prepared than they used to be. Um, I've been doing MCAT long enough that I remember the pre-2015. And I actually think there were, even though the exam is only like three hours long, and this is when everyone's like, oh my God, the exam used to be three hours long. Um, But even though the exam was three hours long, I actually think the physics was much more complex. Like there's a lot more heavy calculations and things like that. Um, But when they changed, they added like a bunch of psych and they emphasized biochem more and they de-emphasized orgo and and things like that. But for the first like three or four years, people were prepping pretty much the same because there hadn't been new prep materials made. So up until like 2018, 19, there really wasn't that much of a difference um, in how people were prepping. Um, And so even though the exam had changed, the prep materials have not caught up to where the exam was. And so students were like there were just less resources out there. And so you had less resources to prep. And the resources that were out there were more expensive and harder to get, harder to find. Um, and so everyone just kind of generally did worse. But because the MCAT is curved, like everyone's scores got kind of brought up. But now everyone, there's a lot of resources out there, um, sometimes too much, because you literally can't get through all of it. Um, that's why a lot of students, like you need to be figuring out like, what are the areas that I specifically need to work on so I can improve work on that, um, instead of just doing everything because there's too much to do, um, if you try to do everything, but especially in psych, because the prep materials for psych were very lackluster for like up until like 2019, And since then, it's gotten much better. So I've noticed that the scoring in psych has been getting harder, um, especially in psych, because that's where the prep industry and the materials have been and the resources for students, they've they've caught up and they've caught on to like how exactly to approach this. And so that means everyone does better, which means everyone does the same because the score gets kind of pushed down. I think as not as as frustrating as that may make some people feel that also means that future patients are getting people that have more to start with meaning you know they have more of a baseline of a foundation to start with um and i think it is worth noting that you will see some of these things in med school in the form that you are being tested on them again so yeah. having more resources having a stronger foundation means you're also going into medical school a bit more prep uh, yeah. I remember the first couple of months in med school, I was like, I love this stuff. I teach this <laughs> stuff. I'm working on this stuff with my students right now because yeah. <laughs> I was still doing all of the sections at the time. And I was like, bet. All right. We're good. We're solid for some classes. Yeah. For others, it was wild, all new. And I was like, all right, let's yeah. start building balance. Um, but you'll see some of that stuff again. And so, you know, don't let that now I'm talking to, to the students. Don't mm-hmm. let that get you down and don't let that, you know, be like, man, that just means that now I have to work hard. It's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to work harder. And that means I'm going to be even more ready when I get to where I want to get to. Yeah, that that actually is the right outlook on that, because I actually believe that that the med students or people who are starting med school now are much better prepared than they were four or five years ago and much better prepared than, oh, my gosh, 10 years ago, which is when the when we were in the old MCAT. Um, (laughs) But I actually took that MCAT and it was, there was like no biochem. Um, We had to write an essay 
Um, I had to write an essay <laughs> on the MCAT. Um, yeah, it, was, it was so different. Um, <laughs> and it was most, a lot of it was like heavy, heavy calculation, like complex math. And that's not med school. Um, med school is, can you learn a whole huge volume of information? A lot of it biology focused and biochemistry, um, but psych and things like that, that the MCAT is emphasizing more now instead of creative writing. Um, like that is like, it's a much better test to help students prepare um, so I know everyone likes to hate on the MCAT, but I think actually like going through that MCAT process makes students better medical students and leads to better physicians. Um, but that comes back once again to like learning to enjoy the process. And like, if you're looking at it, like, why is this so terrible? And if you're just hating, like hateful because this is like terrible and I wish I didn't have to do this, like focus more on like, this is going to help you grow. Like, a lot. Um, and that's going to make you a better physician and it's going to help the lives of patients in the future. Yeah. I'll be the first to say that the MCAT is not perfect. And I will die on my soapbox saying that it can perpetuate inequities and it is our job um, in the field to combat those inequities. But like you said, it's, it is an opportunity to learn. I think something else that it provides the opportunity for is for people to really reassess how they learn best. And mm -hmm. that's something that if you can figure out before you get to med school, <laughs> that will serve yeah. you well. Mm -hmm. Instead <laughs> and of figuring so, out in your second semester of med school, like I did. Um, mm -mm. No, no, no. <laughs> Let, learn, learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's something that, you know, gets lost in the madness of studying for the MCAT. And it's something that I like to remind students of every so often, because the way that you studied in undergrad was for learn and dump. Mm -hmm. It was let me learn it for this exam. I will forget it because mm. it's not going to be tested on the next one, or maybe I'll forget it after this semester's over, this quarter's over. You shouldn't do that with the information you're learning in medical school. You want to retain that information. And so you want to learn and retain long-term. The MCAT is a great way to do that mm -hmm. because, you know, you're studying for months for the same exam and you have you have this massive amount of content. Um, so it's a great way to explore different learning styles, different approaches, I had to learn to stop highlighting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just in general, that that was something that I I was that person. You would look at my notes in undergrad. It was just pages of highlighting, mm -hmm. and like not even not even effective highlighting. It was just yeah. like yellow block after yeah. yellow block. And I probably couldn't have told you what some of that stuff was afterwards. Um, whereas now, you know, in in the public health school, if I'm highlighting, it's because I'm going to look at that in class. When we're having that discussion, I want to know because it's like a 30 page document. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's there's a lot that you can learn and use this as an opportunity. Um, and it's just a matter of playing around with different styles for a bit until you do you find that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. My my highlighting was I'm going to highlight this in the book because I need to take this information and turn it into a table so that I can look at it. And like, I'm highlighting things in different colors because they're going to go in different spots in the table. And so I'm like, okay, the effects of this drug, like what, you know, like what is drug is treatment for, like the yeah. common other names, like all of those highlighted different colors so I can organize these differently. And that's, that's, that's like, effective. That goes, yeah, that goes back to that like active learning mm -hmm. thing instead of just like I'm reading and highlighting just every word as I'm reading, which I think a lot of students end up doing in myself. I did as well. Yeah. yeah I was a passive highlighter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. what about any advice, like turn back the time. And so you're able to talk into a mirror that is on the other side of that mirror is yourself before you started med school. 
Uh, <laughs> any like what advice are you giving to that that younger reflection in that mirror? So undergrad was a really wild time for me. There was a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, I moved to a city and, you know, went to a school that was nothing like where I had grown up. Um, it was hard for me to find community, even for a really long time. Um, you know, classes where a professor was a professor who was happy when the average exam score, our class average, I think was like a D or something like that. And they were happy. And they're like, yeah, no one should be getting an A. I'm like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> who peed in your cereal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or coffee. Maybe you didn't have yeah. any. Um, and so, you know, I struggled with that. I struggled with, so I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, we like 50 episodes ago, mm -hmm. but I've struggled with mental health most of my life, even going back into childhood. And that was a tough transition as well in that component, family things, like you name it, it was happening. Mm -hmm. And I was going to drop out. I talked with my mom about this. I talked to my brother. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop out. I'm not going to be happy like this. I don't want to, it's not even worth finishing. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, I'm just going to go, I'm going to find a job and I'm going to live on a ranch and I'm going to have a horse because I love horses. And if I just can have my own garden and live off the earth and take care of horse and ride a horse, I will be happy. And that will be enough. Um, you're talking about this is all during undergrad. This is all during undergrad. Yeah. So this is pre-med school. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I, I strongly contemplated it. And I also was, um, going to switch. So I went to the University of Chicago and then I was wanted to transfer to a school in Florida, but my financial aid wasn't going to transfer with me. And so it was going to be, it wasn't going to be affordable, financially feasible. And I was like, I'm already miserable. Why would I go and then, you know, take out even more debt yeah. um, to be miserable somewhere else? Mm -hmm. And so uh, if it hadn't been for my brother, but really for my mom, I probably would have dropped out of undergrad. And there have been plenty of times where I've thought about dropping out of med school too, to be very frank. Um, you know this. Mm -hmm. And I think if I could talk to undergrad me, I this is going to sound really cliche, but I think I would tell her that it's going to be okay. And that it doesn't have to look the way that others expect it to look. And that you've been taught and trained that it needs to look in order to be right, in order to work. And that it's okay to take up space. It's okay to feel like you don't fit in and still be like, you know what? I do belong here. I've worked really hard. I'm not here by chance. And if you would have asked me, I would have been like, no, my life is a collection of chances. And like, you know, God was like, sure, here, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can have this. But it's like, I, at the end of the day, I realize I still do my part. You know, mm -hmm. I work pretty darn hard. Um, and I think I would just tell myself that and just say, your life isn't going to end up the way you think it's going to end up anyway. So stop freaking out. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because, and you know this, this might surprise some listeners, um, there is a high likelihood that I will not be practicing medicine after graduating. Mm -hmm. And if you had told me that, I would have dropped out even faster from undergrad. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm not even going to go to med school. I'm not even going to be, you know, a practicing physician. Definitely not going to do this. Um, but I think that ultimately things happened the way that they needed to. And I wish younger me 
could have had that insight because it was so associated with just so much distress. And I I share this because I I have let my life pass me by for years. Mm-hmm. And for everyone that's listening, don't let that happen. If if you're constantly waiting to be happy, when are you actually going to be happy? You know, because there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be a new goal, a new project, a new benchmark. I'll be happy when I get a good score on the MCAT. Then I'll be happy when I get into the med school I want. I'll mm-hmm. be happy when I graduate med school. I'll be happy when I, you know, get into the residency program that I want. I'll be happy when I finish intern year and become. A- and no, you <laughs> never know. You never know when it will be your last day. And if you let life pass you by, you may be at the end regretting it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to try and find balance and for things not to look the way we expect them to or other people expect them to. Um, yeah, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's, uh, that was a question, a very pointed question with a very deep answer that I kind of wasn't expecting um, <laughs> quite so much from there. Um, you know, that's, that is something, as you know, I did not finish med school. Surprise, audience. I did a whole episode on that. <laughs> um, but I agree. Like, sometimes you end up not where you expected to be. Like, once again, if you told me that, oh, Phil, like, you are not going to be practicing medicine, like, I would have bolted. Like, I never would have even <laughs> applied to med school. Now, does that mean that I regret going? No, I don't. Um, I actually think that like there is not not to have my farmer ethic come out and that <laughs> like you know sometimes the work itself is the reward um but you may be surprised that like working and working on yourself and growing in lots of different ways you may be surprised in the way that you grow and like oh my gosh there are these options and decisions that never would have occurred to me to even consider um, and now all of a sudden, this is something that is like not only possible, but I think this is the path that I should be taking. Um, and it's always scary jumping off of a path that is a main like like <laughs> when it's like you go to med school, you practice medicine, you're a doctor, everyone envies you because you're a doctor. Um, and that is a very obvious um, kind of path going through there. But there are lots of other paths. Um, as you know, I I do, like, I just love teaching. And that's why I kind of left, because I just want to teach as much as I can. Um, and that's why I kind of like the MCAT, just because it's such a monster. And, like, being able to help students kind of, like, with that, like, conquer that monster um, scratches an itch for those students, but also for me. And I love doing it. Um but yeah, and I think that there is some stuff in there. And I know like other students thinking like, why would you go to med school if you don't want to practice medicine? Like there are other paths out there. There are people I know who I went to med school with who work in like policy work and like they're mm-hmm. helping kind of like shape um, like policy with like healthcare, um, both at like a smaller scale of like, um, you know, at a hospital and like helping kind of guide and run hospitals or larger scales where they're like dealing with like state or even federal um, like regulations and things like that. Um, but there's a lot of paths out there that you might that might not even have occurred to you um, that if you're kind of thinking, well, well, if there's a chance I won't practice medicine, maybe I shouldn't go. Um, but like that, it's not that that's not going to be an option for you. It's just all of a sudden you may become aware of yourself 
in new ways and um, options may open up to you. Yeah. And even though I came in, absolutely, I, I, I really thought I was going to practice medicine. I've decided probably otherwise at this point. I have a classmate that I remember. We were taking the shuttle down from the undergrad campus to the med school. Um, and we we're talking and we were talking about, you know, what we wanted to do after. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to practice medicine. He's like, no, I'm going to go, you know, into this, this, that. So he came in expecting not to practice medicine at all. Wow. Um, and he's like, this is, you know, I, I'm here to learn and like get what I can. And now he's going to he's the one that's going to be practicing medicine. Oh, you switch. <laughs> I'm the one that's not. Mm-hmm. We swap. Uh, but yeah, there are people and I know a number of, um, you know, people, they end up doing startups. So there are mm-hmm. a handful of people. I wouldn't say there are a ton, but there are definitely a handful of people in my original med school class and the one that came after, because I am now going to have been part of kind of three cohorts, it's really weird, um, that have done startups or other projects, you know, that they've done a fifth year master in some one of the other schools and decide they want to go down that path. Mm -hmm. Um, And it opens additional doors. And so, you know, that intersection of expertise has its own benefit and its own place. Mm -hmm. And we need people that have, you know, different intersections of um, expertise. For yours, you have, even though you didn't finish medical school, you have a really strong foundation because you did the preclinical yeah. years mm-hmm. and education, right? Not everyone who goes to med school or is a practicing physician or finishes would be able to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Most people would not be able to do what you do. There's a reason why you are so well known and then the students love you. Your students love you. And it's like, that's necessary. And so even if you're not 100% sold on it, although I suspect most of the people listening to this probably are <laughs> yeah. more sold on it than more sold on med school than not, um, there's still a lot to do. There definitely is still a lot to do. And I agree with you. At the end of the day, I think coming to med school was the necessary path in my life. And I feel like I actually have changed quite a bit, um, <laughs> you know, having gone through the processes I've gone through in medical school. If old me hadn't gone through those things, Lord knows where I would be right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is amazing. I feel like that's like more than more than anything. Med school opened my eyes to like, oh, like I can do a lot um, because I learned more in that first semester of med school, even though I struggled that first semester. Um, I learned more that semester of med school than I had in any year in undergrad by far easily. Um, and so like starting to kind of realize like, oh, like, like as if I needed a higher self-efficacy, like Phil, like I, I usually get myself in trouble by ending up too deep in something. Um, but yeah, like starting to realize like, oh, bigger projects, bigger things, like, you know, don't hold yourself in so much because you're capable of so much. Um, and I think that's a big thing and just kind of like going through and growing and kind of seeing that, but um, yeah, hopefully it's kind of a a, uh, a strange episode. I, do you have any last things you want to talk about as I like uh, I want to give you like open mic like like I've been holding you back on anything at this point. But um, <laughs> um, but open no. mic, if there's anything you want to say. I'm uh, going to miss this. Yeah, I'm going to miss this. It's weird to step out of not just the podcast and not just Jack Weston, but at least MCAT, all of MCAT for a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, if that's something I'll come back to. I'm um, going to be, I'm, I am currently helping out at a nonprofit, um, just kind of helping them build up their um, 
like institutional and organizational capacity and whatnot, you know, going to wrap up in just a few months, Mm -hmm. (laughs) have my first Harvard graduation from the public health school um, and then, you know, do some fun electives and then have another. It's really weird. It's like it's yeah, I you if in the past I had said you could not pay me to go to Harvard and here I am twice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I think that of everything, I'm going to miss the students and our conversations the most. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm going to miss the most. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm actually a little bit yeah. a little bit sad about that. Just kind of thinking because we've worked together for so long that like when I change my job, I'm like we need to pull Azai over here because I I miss hanging out with Azai. Um, <laughs> and so having somebody who has such strong views and cares so much for students, I know the students are going to miss you quite a bit as well. Um, but you're still out there and you're still helping, just not in the exact same way. I can't imagine you doing something where you're not helping people in some way, shape, or form. Um, but um, you'll be getting emotional. I told I know, myself I, I wouldn't. Just a little, we need to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, we got to wrap this up. Um, but it has been a pleasure. I want to uh, thank all of you guys for listening. Thank you, Azai, for working with me for five plus years. Um, thank you. And honestly, thank y'all, everybody who's listening, everybody who's shared a podcast episode. Um, you guys have always been the reason that we um, do this. And so thank you for trusting us on your MCAT journey more than anything else. And don't forget to trust in yourself as you move forward. 